Welcome to Inside Divorce. My name is Hindel Grossman, the owner of the law firm called Grossman & Associates LTD, located in Newton and Nantucket, Massachusetts. So good morning and welcome to Inside Divorce. My name is Hindel Grossman and today I'm sitting with John Dustin, owner of JED Insurance and Financial Service Agency located in Foxborough, Massachusetts. So good morning, John. Good morning, Hindel. Pleasure to be here. Nice to have you. Well, here we have uh, a podcast as the pandemic continues, but it's important for people to learn everything they can learn about divorcing and today about insurance relative to divorce. So first, tell us about yourself. Sure. So I've been in the insurance industry roughly since 1987. I worked at some large national carriers and then switched over to the brokerage side, had jobs from account executive sales, sales management, and then ventured out on my own. I've earned two master's degrees and I have a doctorate in business administration. Live and work in Foxborough, but we serve really New England and a little bit outside of New England and four children and a grandson recently. Oh, congratulations on that. Well, you're certainly very well educated and very accomplished and also very entrepreneurial. So I know location doesn't matter that much in your business, the physical location of your business, because you do most of your work probably in some electronic manner. Is that right? So typically on large commercial risks, we not on so much on the personal side because we do both commercial and personal insurance, but on the large or commercial, we would want to go see the operation and meet the team of people, the HR, CFO. But on the personal side, we conduct Zoom meetings, we do phone calls, email, and we've learned to uh, certainly adjust to the pandemic conditions to deliver the same kind of service. That's wonderful. I know it's a, it's an important to know your client. So I'd like to talk today about insurance relative to, to divorce, and that is to how to look at insurance and maybe adjust insurances when people are divorcing or post-divorce. What do you want to talk about today on that subject? Well, Hendel, I just think insurance is certainly not something that people spend a lot of time developing an interest in studying and really understanding. And you probably have more perspective on this than an insurance agent, but in general, we often find that people that are going through a process of separation or divorce, usually one member has controlling interest of that insurance, and the second person may have never dealt with it. The important thing to us is for them to really become educated and make good decisions for them. It doesn't mean, you know, oftentimes people say, well, it's 50%. They only have 50%. But you want to protect the assets that are being transferred to you or given to you. And you want to adopt a little bit of a mindset of how to do risk management process so that you're not just showing up and taking what's given to you or the cheapest thing. Because if you incur a loss at a difficult time and you're not going to be compensated for it, you're not going to be too happy. For sure. So let's, I guess, start the conversation about your role, your insurance person's role in analyzing and providing insurance to someone. So for me, I take a unique perspective of I don't really want to just sell a policy up front to you. I want to learn about you. I want to learn what assets you have. I want to learn your risk tolerance, similar to investment. You know, we do risk tolerance. So for example, I often tell people, 
you can self-insure a diamond ring or a, or a small property because you know what the absolute value is. You can't necessarily insure if someone were to, if you were to rear end somebody at a red light or if you injured them skiing a golf and you don't know what they're going to come after you for and what, a, and what a jury could award you for. So I literally try to take them through a process of what assets do you have? What are all your exposures? Don't necessarily jump to insurance right away. Are there things you want to insure that are special items to oriental rugs, golf clubs, artwork is a good example, collectibles? And then, okay, what do we want to look at insurance? Do we want big deductibles because we can self-insure and we don't want to pay premium we want the premium to come down. We want good coverage, catastrophic coverage, but we don't want to insure every little thing. And then, you know, the biggest thing I find is once you select a program, okay, Hindell knows she's going to self-insure these items. She's going to buy insurance for this. Do you review them periodically? I find oftentimes somebody buys a policy and, you know, they might, a good example, they might buy a million-dollar umbrella at the outset of their, you know, buying a home and a couple of cars and kids. And then all of a sudden, they have three homes. They inherit a rental property. They get a million-dollar, you know, inheritance or job bonus. And they're not looking to increase their umbrella, which is a nominal cost. So it is a process that you have to continually monitor. How often, well, I can see there would be life events like divorces where it's important to review your insurances. Otherwise, how often do you think a person should do that? Well, the policies come up annually. So I'm not saying you go out to bid every year and market it every year. We have a process here. If things go up a certain percentage, the agency would automatically market for the client. But I think annually you need to think about, have we received money have we bought a, you know, a home? Have we put a trampoline up? The other thing that comes up often in inspections is dogs. Now, people don't often think, and I'm, I'm a dog lover, so. Me too. But they go and get a dog, and it's a breed that's on a, you know, there are certain breeds that are restricted, and they forget to tell the agent, and then the carrier goes out and does a drive-by inspection, and they get canceled because they forgot to relay the fact that they brought a dog into the home. Is it just particular kinds of dogs? Yeah, there's a restrict. All all the carriers have their specific restricted list. You know, it's not Labradors or you know, it's more the breeds that you would imagine. There's strict pit bull, etc. I see. All right, let's get back to so your role as an agent, and you have a relationship with the client to assess risk and assess what their assets are and what's important to cover with insurance. When someone is getting divorced, as you mentioned, I think earlier, sometimes one spouse doesn't know what the coverages are, right? And they sometimes they don't even know who the agent is. There's the starting point. So I like to coach or educate people. If you're going to buy insurance and insurance isn't cheap, wouldn't you want to interview and be comfortable both culturally and personally with the person you're buying from? What services do they offer? Now, some people say, I don't need any services. I'm self-sufficient. I never want to talk to you again. We're probably not a fit for them. So, for example, we're going to monitor your premiums annually. We're going to reach out to you if we see something that looks suspect that we don't like. We're going to go to the registry free for you. 
we're going to handle claims, not give you an 800 number. Now, that to me is sort of a defining moment. Some people want an 800 number and they don't want the agent involved. But if you have a large, catastrophic, complicated loss, it's always good to have somebody on your side. Right. So that's part of the value that you bring to a, a transaction as well, the relationship. And I think before somebody purchases product, they should be comfortable with who they're enlisting on their team. Yeah. Yeah. So when you talk about risk management for a person who's, let's say they're getting divorced and they're considering what to do with the insurances in their new life, obviously assets have changed. Maybe their geographic location has changed. How do you advise them how to assess the risk? Well, I would say start from the ground up. A, it's a way to educate yourself, and B, all your exposures are different, right? You may be getting a new home, a new apartment. You may have to register vehicles in your name that haven't been in your name before. Do you understand all the auto policy, uninsured, underinsured, things that can protect you? So I like to take a ground-up approach as opposed to just copying someone else's work because typically when you transition in life, you don't just transition one little piece of your life. And I think it's a good time to do some assessment and say, where am I at? What am I protecting? How much should I protect? I've seen people purchase a home at the time of divorce and even forget the Homestead Act, which is an insurance. It's a legal thing. But the Homestead Act was on the initial house. They transfer the deed. And because the deed gets transferred, they forget the Homestead Act. Yeah, I know what you mean. That homestead protects half a million dollars worth of equity in the in the house, doesn't it? Yeah, from yeah. civil. So that's an important. Again, it's when the transfer occurs. If you're not used to handling stuff and you you're just scrambling and you don't take the time to properly adjust and reflect on the changes made, that's what happens. Yeah. So when we talk about personal insurance lines as compared to a commercial, what what's included in personal? Insurance. So personal insurance would obviously cover home, apartment, condominium. Condominiums have different exposures that, that a unit owner has to deal with. It would include auto, motorcycle, jet ski, boat, personal umbrellas are important, and scheduled items. So there's one that slips under the cracks a lot too, is a divorce occurs and somebody gets a, an art collection and they, you know, they don't know the value. They didn't know it was scheduled separately. They forget to bring it over to their policy. So that's why I'm saying you can't feel bad. You need to get educated. And it's not something you study all the time. Yeah, I see. So cars are considered personal insurance too, I presume. Automobiles personally registered to you, motorcycles, yes. Yeah, okay. So I find often that cars, let's say a family has two cars and, you know, wife drives one car, husband drives the other car. They're not necessarily titled to that person that's driving them. And also they're on a family policy. So one thing we advise the client to do, of course, is when they're getting divorced is to divide the policy up. Now, there's, is there some discount for being on the same policy and therefore a bigger charge when they split it up? So, so there is a discount for multi-car policies, but... In a world of predictive modeling, <laughs> carriers have 56 or 60 variables working in the background. That 5% could be nominal. It could be hidden. It could be, and again, because they're going to separate and maybe move to a new town, a new location, all the rating changes. So it's not something you have to worry about necessarily. Uh -huh. 
So how does a spouse go about you know, changing the insurance on their car? So there's the linchpin for a lot of people. When they get divorced, oftentimes they have to retitle and re-register the car to get the plates in their own name. We provide that service. I don't know. I think a lot of independent agents do. And then obviously, then you you got to get a new auto policy, a new provider. Now, here's where it gets dicey. Depending on whether you keep the home or not, you could be giving up the package discount on the home and the auto. But those are all things that we would educate someone on so that they understand. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to pay more because of the way the predictive analytics works now. Okay. So does your office represent a lot of different insurance companies? Yeah. So we're independent. We have nine personal carriers that we represent. And what we generally do is we take the work from the ground up, we figure out the exposures, we figure out what they want to insure, and then we get back to them with options. Obviously, the option that's going to be best for them in the long run. I see. And so I think you mentioned earlier that often you're working with just one of the two spouses for the insurances. Is that common? I think in everybody's world, and you probably see it far more than us, I think there's one person that handles the checkbook. And typically, I don't know how much dinner conversation you would have over personal umbrellas and scheduled <laughs> items, <laughs> especially in today's world. So Probably I, I, should. I think, I think it's not a, you know, I, I just don't think it's a hot topic. Yeah. So. I think what happens, it's no different than a lot of times, you know, we don't do retirement planning, but we'll have clients say to us, who can we go to? You know, we're getting divorced and spouse A has always handled, you know, through Merrill Lynch, but it's his friend and I don't want him. You know, I think it's one of those financial decisions that usually one party in a relationship handles. And Handel, I'll take it to businesses. A lot of times when business partnerships divorce, they're as emotional and as straining as a as a personal relationship. But we often find that one of the partners knows the value of the business, the checkbook inside and out, the balance sheet, and the other one has no idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I certainly see that on all the other finances too. So if someone's spouse knows more about what the investments are and where the retirement assets are, they're probably the same one that knows most about what the insurance policies are, who the agent is and all the details. And again, I think the most important thing is to not feel inferior. It's to feel open and want to get educated and, you know, make a good decision for yourself personally to protect yourself. Yeah, yeah. So what advice would you give to people going through and post-divorce with respect to insurance other than knowing what there is and making informed decisions, I guess, learning about the options and understanding the risk? So I guess at the outset, I tell them, like a lot of times they'll call and say, we're going to get separated. I want everything in my name. Well, it doesn't work like that. You have to wait either for a court date or mediation or however you're going to settle. And we try to tell them, don't try to retitle things, don't, you know, because I think you probably see this quite often. People get emotional and they want to have a chess game and try to control the board right away. You know, we try to tell them to relax and, you know, as the process unfolds and they get closer to unwinding the assets, they should start the process of figuring out what they're going to have and start looking at quotes at that point. I think it's important to remain communicative during the process because you don't want to have a you know a title from a bank overnight to you one day and someone say listen I took the plates off the car last night while you were sleeping 
you need to insure it now. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've actually seen that as well. You have. I was going to ask you what crazy things you've seen relative to divorce. I've seen people take cars and drive away with them and try to hide them in garages somewhere else. You know, we've clearly seen people try to retitle assets into their own name prior to the divorce. They move money. You know, they'll switch to new broker dealers, not our end, but they, you know, it's a control thing because something emotional has happened. They want to take control of things in their control. But from a craziness standpoint, I mean, you know, and the other thing that often happens is they start the process and they don't tell the agent. And then they get angry because the agent says, well, no, I gave the information to your spouse because they're on the deed. Well, I didn't want you to do that because we're in the process. If they're a named insured and they're a first named insured on the policy, they have a right to the information. Yes, I see. Put you in an awkward situation because you're actually, your duty is to both of them, I guess. They're both the insured. Both houses. Mm-hmm. You know, we do we do a good job here of trying to manage managing that when we know about it. It's when you don't know about it that it's hard to control. Yeah. Do you consider life insurance a, a personal insurance? Yes. Yes. So that's another thing. And I've seen some wild stuff with that. I've seen spouses try to change the beneficiary before the divorce, and I've seen them want to cancel policies because what happens, Hindell, is if two people are married and they cross-own each other's policies, they're allowed to take those forward even after the divorce because life insurance is underwritten at the time of application. And it causes great anger. Somebody says, well, I don't want him to get a windfall now that I'm divorced if I die. Well, you took the policy out in good faith and was underwritten at the time. They can keep it. But that's something else that you really do need to review without getting off insurance. You know, your will needs to be rewritten because you may not want certain assets to be transferred. You need to look at your, your life insurance beneficiaries, the ownership of the policies. They can be transferred. Usually the court also gives a decree if there's young children that they maintain a certain level of life insurance. Well, right. That's usually life insurance obligations are usually contained in the final separation agreement, which becomes a divorce judgment. Yes. Particularly to secure a payment from one to the other. But if life insurance is determined at the application stage, the beneficiary is also determined at that time. That right? is correct. But the that beneficiary correct. could be changed. Beneficiaries can be changed. An owner has to make the change. Right. So that's where it gets complicated. And I think you would agree the whole thing is to communicate during the process. But again, what happens is people try to be fleet of foot and out, you know, outsmart the system and speed it up. But you can't make those changes without the owner's consent and et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, choosing the amount of insurance is it's a guess, right? What you need. And life insurance is is another thing that people typically they don't review in terms of the death benefit enough. So, you know, you get married and you make an X amount of money and you take out a policy. 10 or 12 years goes by, you're, you're running a big company now, you're making significantly more income, you have five kids, they're going to be going to school. And then people realize, well, I took this policy out and it's 500000 I need $2 million. Yeah, you need it reviewed. Well, it's interesting. 
I'm sure those industries have changed, life insurance, car insurance. You know, over time, there are different formulas for determining those premiums, too. The premiums are now really, on the property casualty side, personal insurance in particular, it's all predictive analytics. They have more data on you and I than we have. And in the past, it was all everybody in the same community with the same accident rating got the same premium. That's no longer the case. They have 50 variables working in the background that they know about. I see. So all that information becomes public and used in determining what the premium will be for a particular insurance we need, huh? Correct. Yes, see. Well, very interesting topic and uh, one that I'm certainly going to focus on more during the course of a divorce as far as insurances and recommend to my client that they uh, find out who the agent is, know that, get to know that person, determine if they want to continue on with that person or come visit you and see what your what that relationship would be like working with your office. Because it is, you know, these are premiums that people pay and they don't pay much attention to. They just pay, pay over time. Well, more important than the premium is if they have an accident and they, like, you know, and they don't have uninsured, underinsured. And we actually had seen this recently. I can't give the client's name. They didn't have coverage. The party that hit them had low limits and they had substantial medical airlifting and it put a huge impact on the family. Yeah, it does. There's risk out there, not just of COVID-19, but other things. That's a whole new... (laughs) Right. The industry trying to figure that out right now. Really? Is there insurance for COVID-19? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's more on the business side, obviously, but you have workers' comp exposure. Did it really happen in the course of employment? But bigger than that, you have a lot of people wanted business interruption insurance, and the policies all excluded microbacteria and virus viruses. So the policies for years, that was one of the first exclusions on the business income side. So they were all excluded. So now the industry is doing what they did with terrorism. They're trying to figure out how do we cover it? Is there a premium that's justified? You know, what's that going to be? Right. I see it's kind of a rider for virus. Interesting how your industry adapts. Well, John, thank you very much for your time today. I've been speaking to John Dustin, owner of JED Insurance and Financial Services, located in Massachusetts, about insurance, relative divorce, and otherwise. Thanks, John. Thank you. It was great being here. If you'd like more information about the topics covered in our podcast, please contact us at Grossman & Associates. You'll find a competent and experienced team of compassionate, responsive, and innovative legal professionals. Email me at hindell at grossmanltd.com. My first name is spelled H-I-N-D-E-L-L. Or call us at 617-969-0069. Thank you for listening.